Just a quick note, we'll be right back to the podcast. I want to let you know about a new network for beer industry professionals. It's called the Beer Business Finance Association. It's an organization of financial pros just like you looking to improve financial results, increase profitability, connect with your peers, and share best practices. So I'd love to tell you a little bit more about this. If you are interested in learning more, please email me, Carrie at beerbusinessfinance.com. That's K-A-R-Y at beerbusinessfinance.com. Or you can visit bbfassociation.org. That's bbfassociation.org to learn more. Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Today on the podcast, we hear from Scott Bergner from Dogwood State Bank, and we talk all about SBA loans, the different loans that are available for breweries, how to determine the most suitable loan for your brewery needs, eligibility requirements, and so much more. We dig into the financial projections and what's required there, and Scott shares his advice and expertise on the most common areas where mistakes are made and the most important areas on your financial projections where you want to focus. So for now, please enjoy this conversation with Scott Berkner from Dogwood State Bank. Hey, Scott, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Carrie, thank you. Hope you're well. I am well, and uh, it's great to see you as always. So you and I have done a previous podcast together, and I'll link to that so people can check it out. But if folks have not listened to that, why don't you tell them a bit about yourself, your background, and your bank? Sure, sure. Happy to. Uh, so I work for Dogwood State Bank. We're headquartered in North Carolina. Uh, I work in our SBA loan division. I've been there uh, almost four years now. I've been in the SBA business uh, roughly 25 years and doing the craft business lending for about 15 years now. Uh, so in our footprint, we're a focus bank to our communities, but outside our footprint, which is 50 states, we can do SBA lending from loan sizes of, you know, half a million to about $15 million. And, and our group has specifically identified the craft beverage industry as one of those industries with a lot of potential. Um, so I work with startup and expanding breweries, distilleries nationwide. That's great. Yeah. And as we were talking off air, I mean, there's, I, I still see a lot of optimism from people looking to start up breweries and if the, the bigger challenge they have when they get going, it's like, where do I get the money? So figured it was time to kind of re, uh, re-educate folks, I guess, on, on what SBA loans are and how they go after them. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the different types of SBA loans that are available for breweries and you know how you how you or they might determine the most suitable loans for their particular needs. Sure. Yeah. So there's there's two primary products that banks will um, provide a loan through the SBA. Um, so the most prominent loan is called an SBA seven A loan, uh, and that's for startups, expansions. Um, it can do acquisitions, just equipment, working capital, 
uh, partner buyouts, partner buy-ins, which is something new, and we're still learning uh, the rules. You could also purchase commercial real estate or do refinancing. Um, the other program is, is, and that program will go up to $5 million is maxed. Uh, the SBA 504 program is for a real estate component and equipment. So, you know, fixed asset financing. And that's where the bank will do 50% of the loan. The SBA generally will do 35% of that loan and the borrowers bring in 15% equity. Uh, that program allows us to go to a much larger project. Um, so we could probably, depending on the size, I haven't done a brewery this large, but we go up to about $15 million. So there's really a program, the way that, you know, I define it is, is just looking at what the borrower's needs are, their use of funds, right? What are the funds going towards as we break out that project? Is it real estate financing, non-real estate financing? Is it equipment, working capital? And just determine which loan. In the 7A generally wins just because it's more flexible. It can allow you to finance anything that a brewery needs to get open right? The 504 has got more restrictions on it. So a lot of times the 7A is just an easier path. So that's why it's, um, the 7A is also, if you're a preferred lender for the government, the bank makes the credit decision. Uh, there's no SBA involvement. So it really does cut down on timing of the process as well. Okay. And then from an eligibility standpoint, are there broad rules in terms of who's eligible, who's not eligible? How would someone listening determine, yes, I, I might qualify for this? Yeah, sure. There's, I define it as two types of eligibility. One, there are definite SBA guidelines and there's definitions of, of eligibility. And then there's the lender's decision on eligibility. So SBA's definition pretty quickly is you need to be an operating business. You need to operate for profit. You need to be located in the United States. Uh, and then there are ineligible types of businesses uh, such as religion, Gambling, adult entertainment, cryptocurrency is, a, is another one. Um, and you also have to be able to not obtain desired credit elsewhere on reasonable terms. Um, so that would be you approached your bank and they decide to give you a loan. Uh, you know, then you're those are reasonable terms. Right. So it's, it's for folks that approach the bank, get declined for whatever reason. SBA might be a great resource to look at that. Uh, and then the lender will have other criteria for themselves, which will be, you know, a detailed business plan, projections, management with direct experience or transferable experience. Those are just different, more credit definitions that we use when we're qualifying a deal. Gotcha. And then, so that's, okay, that's that's helpful in terms of the SBA loan would be for someone that maybe goes the traditional commercial bank route and just can't get it done or it's not a reasonable, how does... I guess setting that aside, how, how does maybe broadly define the terms of these types of 7A of the 504? Like what, what is the length of term typically on the loan? Um, and how do you kind of go about determining uh, how long that loan will be for? Sure. Yeah, pretty pretty simple. Uh, if, if the borrower is going to lease a property, the maximum loan we can do through 7A program is 10 years. If they're going to purchase a property and that property... Uh, use of funds is 51% of your overall project or greater, we can actually do the loan for 25-year amortization, maximum of 25 years. Some lenders will blend that and try to make it, you know, a 17 or 18-year amortization, get it paid off a little bit quicker. Uh, but the lender is allowed to go up to 25 years maximum on a real estate with other uses of proceeds. Gotcha. 
you know, and interest rates change all the time, obviously, and this will be absolute as soon as I ask you the question, <laughs> you answer it. But so it's October 2023 right now. What are you seeing, you know, on those on those loans now ballpark in terms of what the rates look like? Yeah, sure. I'll give you that. Um, it's a big topic and it seemed to get quiet lately, hasn't raised in a while. So but we just went through uh, something that's been kind of unprecedented how quickly it raised. And so. SBA loans are, the definitions, they're typically reasonable, but they're going to be higher than your typical bank loan, right? Our amortizations are going to be greater, usually double of what a bank would finance. And a bank would probably do a five-year loan on a brewery, we'll do 10, right? So cash flow still looks good, but the loans are going to be, in, in the SBA's guidelines, the lender, if you do a 7A, the loans are going to be priced off the current Wall Street Journal prime rate. So that's generally a pretty conservative lending rate. That's currently eight and a half percent, right? Up from three and a quarter, not too long ago. Uh, no lender in the country can go higher than 3% over that prime. So today that would be 11 and a half percent maximum pricing. Uh, the lender is allowed to come off of that index, but they're not allowed to go any higher than that. Okay. And that's just a, you know, a function of underwriting the deal, how strong the credit is versus the risk, right? If it's a riskier transaction, it's going to be in the higher end of the, the, the you know, the higher premium uh, versus, you know, a stronger deal is going to have a lower premium. So that's each bank, that's up to their discretion. Um, so basically, you know, today's rate, 11 and a half, uh, these, these rates adjust every calendar quarter. So if prime were to go up, it'll continue to go up. Prime goes down. You get that as well, right? So I think we're in a, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but we're in that point now where everybody's feeling like it's going to come down at some point. So they're going to, you know, there'll be some relief in this, uh, maybe not back to the three and a quarter days, but, you know, there's some some talk out there of maybe getting into the fives again in prime. But um, so that's, you know, it, it, there's risk there. Uh, there generally, there can be fixed rate pricing on SBA loans. It just really is market driven. And right now, I mean, a fixed rate loan, There's it's, it's pretty high. So there's just nobody really taking that. Everybody's hedging to watch prime drop and let, get the benefit of that. Uh, on the 504 side with real estate, there are fixed rates. And that's because we're partnering with SBA. You know, lenders doing 50%, SBA's doing 35%. So it's kind of a blended pricing. That pricing today for a 25-year loan is probably somewhere around 7 to 8%. And so that's pretty typical what we see from other banks that we're working, you know, competing with or just term sheets that are coming in from borrowers and, and what we're seeing. So um, and those are just, again, market driven based on the bank. And then the government is doing a bond sale. So those those generally don't get sold until you know 90 days after all construction is complete and they're open for business. So that's a little hard what the crystal ball will be. But that rate's running in the high sixes right now. OK, hope that helped. Yes, it helps. It's interesting. And I just want to restate this. and You can tell me if I heard this right. So when you're writing, um, I guess, may maybe this, the 7A loan, it's hitched to, to Wall Street Prime. Correct. And it could be as high as Prime plus zero or prime, uh, as high as Prime plus 3%. Um, did you say that's a variable rate? Meaning if somebody closed on a loan today, they're writing this thing down or up depending on what Wall Street Prime does over the course of the term of the loan? That's correct. Okay. And can they, would they have the option to kind of, let's just say rates get back down into the primes, maybe like five, I'm just going to make a number, you know, four or 
Um, can they can they lock in that rate and get it fixed at some point, or is it no? It's always going to be variable. It, that, that, yeah, that note is done, right? But what they can do is they'd have to refinance the SBA loan. Okay. And generally, it's it's difficult to refinance an SBA a current SBA loan with another SBA loan unless you have some significant event that you're going through. That event could be expansion, right? Location number two. It could be more equipment. It could be buying the real estate. Maybe the landlord now wants to sell the property. When you do that, there could be a way to refinance the current 7A loan into a new SBA loan. But generally, the borrowers, you know, three to four years into this are trying to refinance. If the rates were down, they would probably try to refinance it with their bank, you know, local bank that they're doing their banking with. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks for that. So let's talk about startups. Um, and I know a lot of banks would would uh, shy away from startups because, you know, they're inherently risky just uh, by the nature of being a startup. So SBA loans, if you've already mentioned this, you know, you do, you do write startup uh, loans. How does that work? Um, and what are the specific re- requirements that you may be looking for with these these new businesses? Sure. Yeah, SBA, you know, I've been doing it 25 years, been in the craft industry 15, 16 years. It's a very popular financing option. We've seen the numbers grow just as craft breweries grown. The numbers in SBA portfolio has grown significant, you know, as a new industry. Um, but, you know, a lot of times it's these are first time owners, right? I don't care if it's a brewery or any business, there's risk in that. So most banks, unless there's a long relationship, are not really interested in a projection type assumption deal, right? They want they want something that's been solid and out there for 10 years and it's nice and easy. So that's where we come in, right? Um, so there's, there's specific criteria that we look for, um, you know, when we're looking at new businesses. So, you know, for me, it, you know, it includes generally a detailed business plan. You know, I want to see uh, SBA requires three years of projection. So do we, we want to see them broken out monthly, you know, as, 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 and, and we want to see assumptions to those projections. Like how do we get to those numbers? Uh, with the brewing industry, we, you know, how, how much, how large is the system? How many barrels do you anticipate brewing? What's the capacity of that system? I've had plans come to me where the numbers, they don't make sense. The size of the system can't even put out the amount of barrels they have in their revenue. So we call them out on that immediately. <laughs> you know, kind of like who helped with this plan and where was the math, right? So we know the math. So we really want to dig into that. Um, management, right? Somewhere in the, the business plan should be a good description on the management of the brewery, right? And who our guarantors of the loan are. What were their previous experiences? Uh, not everybody was in the brewing industry for 20 years and decides to open their own. And we're okay with that, but what type of transferable experiences do they have that they're bringing to the business, right? Whether it be financial, operational, uh, marketing, you know, um, things like that of that nature to really hone in on to get us comfortable with them. Um, A lot of our breweries, the owners are not the head brewer, right? They'll hire a head brewer, put them under an employee agreement or even an equity sharing um, deal and and you know that works. So there's a lot of ways that it's flexible. Um, I would want to see some detail on the cash that you're going to inject into the business. So typically, you know, with a startup, your your equity requirement is high as twenty percent, and that's cash equity. So if it's a million dollar loan, the first two hundred comes in from the guarantors, and the next eight hundred is from us as an SBA loan to finish the project. So we're going to hone in on where that funds are coming from, 
Uh, is that eligible? Do our borrowers have the wherewithal to, from a credit perspective, to pull this off, right? To put in the equity and then have money to live over and feed their families. So that's how we look at it. So typically we want to pre-screen it first before we're going to move right into underwriting and the full process, right? Just to see, is this, is the project viable? Is it something that we're interested in pursuing? If you, let's think about how much of the process is a prospective new brewery owner would come to you with kind of a fully baked business plan and financial projections and say, this is what I would like versus how much is collaborative in other words, hey, Scott, I want to run this by you um, and, and you can maybe guide them. I don't know if that's a clumsy question, but do you see folks coming to you and, and wanting to kind of get your your take on it prior to kind of like a first draft? Or, do you, or would you prefer people come to you with a fully baked plan? I prefer the fully baked plan. And really, that's just me being greedy from a return on equity for me personally. Right. I, I look at these loans you know, an SBA loan is not the easiest loan to pull through the funnel. So I'm involved with all aspects of the loan from the beginning to the closing to the end to the servicing. You, you know, as an SBA lender, you really don't just walk away and it hands off to the next person with the baton and they run. You're still running with them. And so I have a lot of time invested in these deals. So I have to get an end volume. So I've got to get there quickly. Right. I don't want to hold up a borrower. Uh, if I'm hung up on something, I want to get to that quickly. And the only way I could do it to see a full package. Now, have I ever read a business plan and, and didn't have everything else? Absolutely. Um, but I always tell people I don't read business. I, I don't get paid to read business plans. I can't. I'd be broke. Right. I need to work on those deals that have urgency. Right. Or folks that are close to you know, they've got architect drawings done. They've got permits and they're paying rent. They've got to close. Right. we got to get them in business. And so. Um, but I provide a lot of guidance to anybody, right? Anybody that comes to me or is referred to me, most of my business is referral. You know, I don't have a billboard on the interstate that says, call me. It's people like you that, you know, know me, we know through other channels that bring it together. So I take that very seriously and, um, you know, I'm going to do my best job to, you know, get back to the customer quickly with feedback, Right. What do we need to work on? No SBA loan is perfect. It doesn't come in perfect, right? They all need some form of work somewhere. Something's missing. Um, and, and, and a lot of that is still moldable. It's a startup business, right? And so I could educate. That's a big part of SBA lending is educating the borrower on the process, on what's needed, what that looks like. Uh, I have a lot of helpful templates that they're free to have that they could work with, or they sometimes come in with great templates, right? So um, I like to see that as well. Sometimes I have, there's better projection templates than mine. So I'm good with that. Uh, but I can't just, a lot of folks have been writing a business plan for quite a long time. And then they just want me to take a look at it, you know, and I really need to have a, a location nailed down. That's a, that's a big piece of criteria for us because that project can change so drastically from one lease to the next lease to the eighth lease. And that's a lot of work to keep just picking the deal up and then putting it back down. So I'd rather work on, you know, there's a letter of intent on the property. The landlord's excited about you moving in. Um, there's agreements there that we can finalize down the road. But, you know, everybody's shook hands and we're all working in tandem uh, versus, you know, we're not even sure where we're going to locate this. You know, that that's a difficult ask for me to, you know, tell them 100% yes or no. 
Yeah, you can't okay. have too, too many okay. moving, moving pieces. Yeah, that makes sense. If you think about, so on the business plan, you know, typically the the part that folks get tripped up on is are the financial projections. So if you think about, and you mentioned, you know, having your projections and then having your assumptions to really support those and, you know, some examples of, you know, where there can be a disconnect, i.e. how much capacity do you have versus what is your sales forecast say, hey, these don't actually match. Right. Um, when you're looking at those projections, what would you say, you can answer this either way, like what, what are the most common things that you see are just wrong, incorrect, uh, or the opposite might be, what are the things that people really need to kind of focus on? Like, I, in other words, what does a successful financial projection look like for you? What are you looking for? Sure. First and foremost, hire a consultant. That wasn't a plug for you, but folks, this is a pretty mature industry now. And there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of talk of saturation. And there's a lot of people who've been in this industry for a long time and have been through a lot of these cycles, the ups and downs, the distribution cycle, the tap room focus, like we're kind of in now, um, ever-changing laws. There's just so much. Um, biggest mistake I see, well, some of the mistakes is a very canned, simple spreadsheet that immediately I can tell someone did not put a lot of time in. So if somebody's asking me to put a lot of time into the deal and I'm not pompous, I'm not, you know, I, I want to see that they've done the same. I want to see a business plan that hits on all those pieces. I want to see a projection that breaks out every piece of revenue. Tell me the story in the numbers. Tell me what we're selling, how we're selling it, who we're selling it to. And then give me a list of those cost of goods because I want to see if they're close to the industry standards that we know of. Expenses. When we get to expenses, I see, you know, one line item expense and then net income below that tells me I have no idea what we're doing in the business. I don't know who you're paying, what you're paying, how you're paying it. There's no salaries. There's no payroll. That's just lumped into one. That's an absolute. I'm done. <laughs> I, I'm moving on because it's only going to get harder. Right. So when I see those broken out, maybe there's still some things missing. That's OK. But there's some thought put behind the numbers. And you can tell right away when you're doing this a long time you know, where it falls through the cracks. Um, I, I talked about the revenue, but even food, if there's a food component, how is that being done? That's the assumption piece, right? Are you doing the food yourself? Are you running a kitchen? Uh, what's the price per plate? What do those look like? You know, tell us that story. Well, we're going to ask, right? I'll, I'll ask those questions, but it should be in there and should be in the business plan. Um, I do feel that, you know, with the maturity of the industry, there's a lot of consultants out there that are good at this, that can help people. And, and there are, you know, some free agencies in the world that are out there that help write business plans and do projections. They're very generic. They're great. They serve a purpose. Uh, but they're they're very generic, right? They're former bankers, former executive CEOs of companies that they're just, you know, whether it's a manufacturing business, the beer business, or a doctor's office, they can help somebody with a plan or projection. I think this is a specialty. And uh, it needs that that extra touch. And for me, that's one of the things I'm always asking borrower when that package initially comes in. I want to know who their team is. And I don't just mean the team that's going to work in the brewery and hire who's behind the scenes. Right. Who's your financial planner? Who's your attorney? Who's your architect? Who are you working with? Chances are I may know them, which is a good thing in most cases. Right. Because there's a direct connection there 
of deals we've done before with those individuals that have been successful in getting these places off the ground and then continuing them for pretty good long runs. So I hope that helped answer your question. Biggest one is the revenue piece, right? When I, that's a pet peeve of mine. When I see revenues, 1 million, what are we selling? <laughs> are we selling our own beer? We, we, we just run in a tap room with everybody else's taps. What, what are the product offerings? You know, this is what you're doing. This is what, that's your business, right? So we want to know and break that out. You'd be surprised how many come in that way. Yeah. That's yeah. Sick. They just grab the template <laughs> online which is a good starting point, but there's a lot more math that goes into that. Uh, assumptions we don't see a lot of. A lot of folks just put the projection together and they feel like whatever they wrote in the business plan is, is exact. You're making your lender do a lot of work, okay? the lend you, you make it easier for the lender, you get your deal approved, you get closed more efficient, right? So you should do a separate document, a PDF or Word document, assumptions to my projections, right? doesn't need to be 55 pages. Just break out what the numbers mean. How did we get to that number? How many barrels equated to that revenue in you know beer tap sales example? Um, that's very, very helpful and will help, I know my credit team get there quicker because they don't have to go back and do that analysis on their own. Somebody did it for them and they like that. Yeah, absolutely. Little hack there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> moving through the system a little better. I think that's a great takeaway. You know, I would sum that up too. make it easy for your lender, you know, uh, to get to get to that. Yes. I mean, that's the whole goal. But, you know, the other thing, too, is with those projections, you know, they don't live in a vacuum. Right. They're not just you're not just doing a projection projection to get a loan. You're doing a projection to help guide your your business once it's up and running. So I do see a disconnect and hear that a lot. Well, it's just we're trying to get the loan. Like, well, you know, if you get the loan, your banker is going to kind of hold you to these numbers or at least say, hey, you know, we underwrote this based on. But it's really a good tool that people can use to instill that financial discipline once they're up and running. You know, we, we did say sales were going to be a million. We did have these assumptions. All right, we're deviating from that. How do we get back on track? What's different from? Absolutely. And we do look at the projections forward looking, right? Because when the business is new, you know, they may open and only be open for three months and they file a tax return. So that tax return is not accurate. It's not a 12 month run. So we will go back to the projections or our portfolio team will look at that to see, are we on track on a month to month basis? And then, you know, put that file away. Uh, then next year we should get a full tax return. Well, now, where do we really stand? How do we match up against what you're doing? And and like you said, that's a great point. They should be doing that. You know, that's something that when somebody writes a business plan, you should rewrite it next year, right? Did I follow what was in it? And if I didn't, what do I do differently? Rewrite it. Now we're on to next year. Same with the projections. Where were we at to goal? Um, where did we fall short or where did we, did we exceed, right? Um Yes, if you're exceeding, your lender's not going to, you won't hear from them very much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the other way around, you're probably talking to them, you know, not in a good scenario. So we don't want to go there. Exactly. You you had mentioned earlier, and I know you've you've put out some uh, notices, articles about this, is these partial sales or partial redemptions. Can you tell us a little bit about like, what is what is that in the context of 
you know, equity for a crap. How does that work with under the SBA umbrella? Yeah, I, mean, I got to tread lightly here because this uh, had just come out through SBA, started October 1st, but they've already made a revision that we received this morning. Uh, so by November 15th, we mo- will hopefully have the, the final rules and definition. But for my entire career, SBA did not allow partial buy-ins of a business. So if you have an operating brewery, you own 100% of it, and you decide you want to bring in a partner, SBA loans would not finance that. The previous rule was you had to sell 100% ownership and divest completely of the business, right? Whether it be a stock purchase or an asset purchase. And so the existing seller could stay on for upwards of a year under an employee agreement, but then had to vanish, right? So that's been the rules for my 25 years of SBA lending. But same 25 years, we've all been asking for partial buy-ins. So we finally got it. Uh, There will be a big rule book, I assure you. But what we know or been told is um, any amount of money can be bought in. So if I own 100% of a company and you wanted to buy in 20%, that's eligible, right? However, I'm still 80% of the company. You're 20. By SBA's definition, you have to guarantee the new loan because you're a 20% owner or greater of the company. And I have to continue. I have to guarantee your loan because I'm still 80% owner. So with that rule, it could be 50-50, 60-40. However, what SBA's guideline was is they feel that it's going to be a majority buyout, probably going to be 80% or greater of the purchase of the business and that seller or other partner might be a minority owner, right? And that may work well with a long-term employee that wants to buy the business or maybe somebody in the family uh, where they want to transfer ownership to the son or daughter. Um, They could do that earlier than, you know, at full retirement or, or somebody passing away, right? So that's as much as we know. The rest will be structured just as a typical SBA loan, application process, closing process. We don't see any changes there. Those close pretty quickly because there's not a lot of, well, there's no construction. There's not a lot of work to do, right? Um, just like a partner buyout. But uh, we, we, we have gotten some deals in. We've um, decided that we're going to submit them to the SBA for approval, which sometimes could be a longer process, but we want to see their feedback before we start approving these on our own and make sure we're doing it right. So there's a lot of lenders doing this. You know, some of our peer lenders are doing the same thing, but we're excited about it. I mean, I have clients already asking about it, wanting to know more, um, but we see it more where it would be an 80-20, 80% buy-in, 20% the existing owner stays on. And then that 20% owner doesn't have to guarantee the SBA loan for the new person, Okay. Makes sense. Okay. So to, you know, stay tuned on that, but, and is that 80, 20, that's sort of your interpretation expectation um, of it. And it, but it, but it might not necessarily be that because I, I can see so many circumstances where well, a brewery would it, want to take on a couple of minority partners. Right. What the, what they're saying is that if, if the buyout is less than 80% or the buy-in, see, I keep saying buyout, the buy-in is less than 80%. The um, seller of that equity has to guarantee that new buyer's loan. Now, if they're a family member, that might be amenable. If it's a non-family member, maybe not. Why do I want to guarantee the person buying, you know, 75% of my company, I have to guarantee the loan because I'm retaining 25%. 
So I think what logic is going to tell somebody in that scenario is I just need to drop 20%. I'm not in the loan. You bring in the money and you take my 80%. But if they want to do a 50-50 or 20% in, then no matter what, that existing owner that was remaining has to guarantee that SBA loan. The only way they don't have to is if they come if they drop to 20% or less ownership of the operating company. And that's the same now when we look at um, a general SBA loan, right? We're looking at anybody that owns 20% or greater, that's SBA's rule. So if you have five partners at 20%, all five are guaranteeing that SBA loan. You're all full personal guarantees. There's no pro rata share. So they're going to do the same thing on the buy-in. But what they're going to say to that seller of the equity is, you need to come on this SBA loan and guarantee it because you're in control of this company, right? This buyer is only coming in 20%. You own 80. You call the shots. You hire, you fire, you run, you run the checking account. Our 20% guy doesn't have all that control. But if we put you together and you both guarantee, we got it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. That's make. not going to change. I don't see that changing. There's just going to be other nuances to the the deal that, you know, valuation and things like that, that we're still uncertain of. There hasn't been a lot of guidelines on it. And SBA not might not put a lot of guidelines. They may want to just start letting banks do these credits and then start reviewing them and seeing, okay, for next year, maybe we need to insert some more rules in the rule book because it's not been done. So this is new and it's exciting because I think there's a lot of space for this. Um, I would agree. Yeah. But I know if I'm selling my company to somebody that's not, you know, that's that's not an arm's length to me, I don't know if I want to guarantee their SBA and put my collateral up and, and my personal signature. Um, I might just want to just send, sell 100% of the company and walk away, right? That makes sense. Got okay. it. So we'll keep an eye on that. If um, So somebody's listening and they're like, all right, what is the, all right, I get it. I got to do a business plan. I can do financial projections. I got to you know test my assumptions. What is, what's the time frame between sort of starting it, coming to see you and closing on a loan? And I, I, I guess that could vary significantly, but if someone's got their stuff together, what, what are we typically looking at that for, for a time frame? They're all over the map. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll take a startup. Uh, we'll start there. Startup brewery, on average, eight to nine months to a year. And that's from, you know, concept of a business plan to getting the door, you know, to getting the loan close. You're not open yet. Okay. And I'm just being realistic here is, you know, they, they probably don't have a leased space yet. Right. So there's that process then hiring an architect and an engineer to draw out the plans, then submit those plans and get those plans approved. Those, those can all be getting done while your lender's in your deal. And, and, and we can commit to a loan with a budget, but we can't close a loan on a budget. We have to have contracts. We have to have permits. We have to have stamp set of plans from the city that says we're letting them build a brewery, right? And that could take you know, we do loans in 50 states. If it's here in North Carolina, it could be eight months in the city. Now, if you're on the outskirts, maybe a little bit quicker, but it's a long process. And in some states, it's really difficult. I mean, I've had upwards of a year and a half. And I mean, that's a borrower working weekly, pushing, and it still took a year and a half. So those are just things beyond the control of the lender because, you know, we're not building out the space. We're not contractors, but we can't close without that. We can't close without a contractor, without insurance and builder's risk. And everything is tightened up before we just say, 
let's start tearing down walls and 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 building this place out. So it's quite a process um, to get through. I do get loans that some people have paid that money up front and just decided, hey, I'm moving forward. And we love those deals because it cuts down on a significant amount of time. I mean, I've had folks come in with a permit. You know, they've spent a year plus, they've got their permit. They've got something from the city that says I can go and it's go time. So those loans, we could probably close in 45 days from inception. Right. But they they did a lot of work coming in. In my world, a lot of folks are, you know, they're nervous about it, nervous if they can get approved. They want to know that the funding is there first. Right. And I understand that. So we we work with them to get that. But they have to understand that there's still a long piece of the process and then closing the loan. And then you have construction, which average you know, six months on a lease property. A lot of those turned into nine during COVID and then more. So we, we've seen that get a little better, but not very much. There's still a lot of lag with subcontractors and um, getting them, you know, on those jobs. And, and, you know, in the contracting world, these are relatively small jobs, right? So they don't always get the, the first attention of the subcontractors on the list, right? They'll get done, but they get done somewhere in that <laughs> kind of like the SBA loans can get lost in closing. And, you know, there's 20 of them, which one do we pick out first today? And let's get that one across the finish line. So um, you got to be patient. Um, and, and again, it's not specific to breweries. Uh, you know, if you want to build a gym, you build a hotel, open a gas station, same process, same amount of work. You know, there's just no, it's not just harder because it's the brewing industry. It's not, you know, if there's already breweries in town, then you have a leg up. Because the hard work's been done. Somebody got open. So now there's, you know, from city planning, they have kind of a rule book to already know, to follow, and just, you know, to bless your project. So um, I hope that helps. I mean, you know, so anywhere from 45 days to I've had a year and a half, I think, is the longest. And that's that's a lot. Yeah. A lot to be involved in a deal. But, you know, it's part part of it. Well, it's part of the due diligence of starting a business, right? You just need to know all the checklists of things that need to be done and the order in which to do them and how many you could do sort of in, in parallel and, you know, how to get all of your 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 ducks in a row, you know, to kind of help uh, move the process along. Right. And control what you can control, you know, and just, just stay on top of things like you would with anything else. And, um, but yeah, a lot of them, you know, they go quiet for a while and then, and then the plans get done and then it all starts to pick back up again. So that's, that's the good news. And um, yeah, so that hope that explained it. That's great. A lot of great stuff here, Scott. I really appreciate it. So people listening want to get in touch, learn more about you, SBA loans. Uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, either I would say, you know, you can look up Dogwood State Bank in North Carolina and where we have a, there's an SBA tab. We're all on there and our bios are on there. Uh, you can email me at sberkner at dsbnc.com or you can call or text me at 704-564-5940. There you go. You got all the digits, all the contact yes, info right there. Yes, sir. Scott, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.